Hello, I'm Cheryl Kennedy from the Library of Congress. The National Book Festival is in its seventh year, and it has attracted tens of thousands of book lovers of all ages to the nation's capital to celebrate reading and lifelong literacy. This free event is sponsored and organized by the Library of Congress and hosted by First Lady Laura Bush. This year, the festival will take place on Saturday, September 29th, on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. Festival goers will meet and interact with 70 best-selling authors, illustrators, and poets. There will be activities for the entire family. If you're unable to attend in person, we invite you to experience the festival online. Our podcast interview series with well-known authors, along with webcasts from the festival, will be available through the National Book Festival's website at loc.gov slash bookfest. Today we talk with Sheila P. Moses, one of many popular authors who will appear in the Teens and Children Pavilion at the festival on September 29th. Her latest book is The Baptism, a novel about the traditional baptism in her small hometown. She's a Coretta Scott King Honor winner and a National Book Award finalist. Welcome, Ms. Moses. Thank you for having me. What made you decide to attend a second year? Well, it was really a no-brainer for me. I had a wonderful time last year. And what has excited me about being a writer more than anything other than actually seeing my books on the shelf in the bookstores is my time with the children in this public school system. And when I arrived at the festival and I saw all of those children with their parents, I was just so excited, and I knew that I wanted to come back. So the children um, really made me want to come back. Well, it was obvious that the children were enthralled with uh, your storytelling. I heard you say that you were always uh, writing as a young girl. You apparently wrote your first short story in fifth grade. Why do you believe the festival is important to young readers and writers? You know, well, two things. If you save the parent, you save the child. I think it's important to the, first of all, when a mother, um, when you get up on Saturday morning and you say, I'm going to the National Book Festival, come with me, I think that inspires a child. And when that, when you arrive at the festival, I was excited about the pavilion of the state. And you saw all of these um, pavilions designed for the children. The, the festival is designed for all people, but the children understood that it was something special there for them. So I think it's important because you are saying to that child, my motto, when I walk into school, the first thing I say is, the book you read today will save you tomorrow. And that's what that festival is saying to the children. It's not just books for adults. They, they see that it's for them. You see the colorful maps. You're giving them bookmarks, not candy. You're giving them colorful bookmarks to take home to put in their book. It's obvious. It's very obvious. You can kill anything with love. Children know when they're loved. To me, that festival was saying to the children, we want, we love you and we want you to read. And that's the reason it's important to them because they understood when they stepped I think inside that pavilion, they knew it was designed for them. It's very important. 
You say that there is freedom in writing. Obviously, there's freedom in reading and experiencing new things through words. What do you mean when you say there is freedom in writing? Well, I, I was raised on a place in the middle of no place that civilization forgot in Rich Square, North Carolina, on a little road called Rehoboth Road. Not a street, but a road. And my mother freed us with words. When I was a little girl, we couldn't afford the newspaper. On Monday, my neighbor gave us Sunday's paper. On Tuesday, my neighbor gave us Monday's paper. We were always a day behind in the news, but we read. So what my mother would do, she would take that newspaper, she would put it back together very neatly. She would read it, then she would put it together, not in 50 different pieces, but to make it look new for us. And she would pass it to the children in the house, and we all would have to read from that paper. So my first love was not writing, but it was reading. So the, the freedom is in saying to children that words are important, just like today you think that video games are really, really important. But reading, the greatest gift my mother has ever given to me, and I bet if you ask any of my nine sisters and brothers that, they would say the same thing, was that newspaper. Because we all love to read. And it's a very important part of our life today. So if you, again, if you say, say the parent, saving the child. My mother stopped school in the 10th grade because they moved and it was too far to walk. And I always believed if she just could have made it to school, she would have probably earned her Ph.D. And I wouldn't exist because she understood the power of education and reading and writing. And she understood if she could just get her children out of high school on to college, reading and writing, it would save us, and it did. You talked about how your parents, and specifically your grandmother, inspired your writing. Tell us about that. Well, you know, my grandmother has, uh, you know, middle school. My, my mother never, no one was ever sure how far she went in school, maybe late elementary, but no further than middle school. She could not read nor write. So whatever she learned at an early age, by the time she was adult, she she signed her name with the next. So I speak for people who could not speak for themselves. She could not write her story. I felt it was my duty as her grandchild, as third generation Jones, that I was supposed to tell the story of my people. My grandmother would sit on the front porch and she would tell this story of Buddy Bush. Oh, Buddy Bush got away from the Klan. We ain't never see him no more. I was a kid. I was thinking, who in the heck was Buddy Bush? So she was always writing, but she was writing. She couldn't physically write, but she was telling stories. And it was my duty to my ancestors to write the words that she spoke to me. So I write about Rehoboth Road and Achimichi Neck, and I write about... Uh, Combo Road and picking cotton and the roads with no dirt on them for the people who actually lived there and told me those stories. I, I, I write for my grandpa and his papa and the people before me, people that I don't even know their names. What do you hope readers will learn from your latest work, The Baptism? I know it's about 12-year-old twin brothers, Leon and Luke Curry, who reach an age when they must be baptized and uh, they have a week to stop sinning. 
Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, Luke and Leon are actually my brothers, Leon Moses and Larry Moses. And Larry wasn't working with Luke. They are not twins, but they grew up two little peas in a pot. So we, a lot of people, you know, probably they don't look a lot alike, but they were certainly, they had all the makings of twins. They did everything together. But, you know, growing up on the Hope of the Road, the great thing about the Hope of the Road, and it still stands, was tradition. Everything was we did according to the tradition. Getting baptized on the Hoboth Road was a tradition when you turned 12 years old. So all of my books to date have been about girls. I wanted to talk about the boys on the Hoboth Road. So I moved the story to Archie Michi Nick to talk about my two brothers who terrorized us when we were little. And what we did the week before getting baptized, the girls got the hair pressed, the boys got the hair cut. You, you definitely got a new suit. You know, you had to learn verses from the Bible in case the preacher called your name in church. It's really a story of redemption about how two little boys who were really, really bad and at the end of the day, had five days to get right with the Lord. And so they did. Well, I don't want to tell the story, but um, it's a story about love and family and tradition. I, I feel like we're so far away from tradition. Um, I notice um, young people today, we always ate together at dinner time. And I notice children now, they take their plate and they eat in front of the TV. We could never do that growing up. And, and I really wanted to end the baptism to show children you can still have fun without the TV and you can still have fun without the computer playing games. Just the traditions. I wanted them to see how happy we used to be without all the things they think they just have to have. Some good and some bad. So I think more importantly than anything else, the baptism is, uh, the baptism is about tradition. Do you think the community as a whole has suffered because we've lost that connection to traditions? Oh, absolutely. A absolutely. I think the young are strong, but the old know the way. And the best gift we can give our children today is to sit down and talk to them about the way things used to be and that you don't have to have your pants <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> your pants, your pants too low and your shirt too high and your shoes too big. You know, when I was growing up, this was really interesting. We had three sets of clothes, everyday clothes, school clothes, and church clothes. I mean, that was a tradition. You, you, you mm -hmm. could not wear your school clothes after school. You couldn't wear your church clothes unless it was Sunday. And you had everyday clothes that you could wear around the house. Simple things like that we have gotten away from. Sitting down and eating dinner together and saying, how was your day? We have gotten away from some of the most important things that made us a family. Well, I have to agree with you there because my family, we have a tendency to go our separate ways because we are all so very busy. Um, is it possible for you to read an excerpt from your book without actually giving away uh, the ending. Okay. The book is written seven days, you know, um, the, it starts on Sunday. 
And this is chapter one. The title is Sunday. Today is Sunday, the only day of the week that we don't have to work in the field. The only day of the week we get to wear our nice, nice clothes. We do not have church this Sunday, so Mom said we can go fishing. We have fishing clothes, just like we got Sunday go-to-meeting clothes. There will be no fishing next Sunday morning, because me and my brother Luke Curry will get baptized. We ain't saved or nothing like that. We're just doing what Mama, Lemuel Curry, telling us she wants us to do. What she calls the Christian thing to do. She says, if that ain't reason enough for us to want to get baptized, then we best remember that she is the one that puts the food on the table in that old house where we live. She says for us to remember that she washed the clothes that we wear to church, school, and everywhere else. The clothes that she buys with her money that she gets from washing and ironing clothes for the white folks. Money she gets from baking and walking all over town to sell her baked goods to anybody that got some money. Ma said she washed the sheets that we sleep on in the house that she pays the rent. If all of that ain't enough, she says to remember that old oak tree in the backyard. On that tree there are limbs. On those limbs, there are many small branches that make a perfect switch. She cuts three at a time. First she cuts them, then she braids them. And and those switches can make you remember anything that you have forgotten. When she finished all of her braiding, she yells, All right, twins, these switches got your names written all over them. Now, that ain't Christian-like at all. But me and Lou Curry, we get the point. You're a really great storyteller. How do you describe the art of storytelling? What's your creative process? <laughs> you know, they asked that question at uh, the festival last year, and I said, if you're from Rehoboth the Road, you have risen. You know, I meet people all the time, and they say, you sound like you're singing when you talk, and I think that's hilarious because I listen to my sisters talk, and I think, mm-hmm. why do you sound like you're singing? But I, I think it's Back, it goes all the way back to my grandmother, Babe Jones, that everybody had almost like a rhythm when they talked, and we talked long, like, hey, how you doing? And, you know, even after earning a degree in psychology, I still slip and say, hey, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I just think it goes back to the, the voice of my people. And my gift from my grandmother, who could not read nor write, was the ability to tell the stories. That's a perfect segue into my next question. What do you think we can learn from our ancestors? Spike Lee said it best, do the right thing. If we could be half the men and women that they were, um, just try to do right. Not my grandmother, not mother spent a lot of time trying to do right. I picked up my aunt from the airport this morning and she 
arrived in the house, she was unpacking her clothes, and she said, and, you know, I, I don't want to start preaching here, but she said, oh, I must have 2,000 books. She said, oh, you have so many books. Do you have the Bible? She was not impressed with the books. She wanted to know, do you have the Bible? I said, well, I have three. She said, good, let me have one. <laughs> That's the book she wanted when she walked in the door. Mm-hmm. So I, I think what we can learn from them is to continue to to try to do right and live right. We can learn that it's okay to sit down at the table and have a meal together before you turn the TV on. Read a book. We what? can. We can just. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I, I I like it. Read a book. Just read a book. Talk. Call it, write a friend a letter. I still write letters. I still write people. Um, the email is a monster. You know that? I mean, it's really, it's, it's good for business. But, you know, on Sundays, I have five sisters. We, all five of us call each other on Sunday because the email is not good enough for me. Just go back to the old way. And modern technology is wonderful. But if we could just, don't forget the letters. Don't forget the dinner table. Um, still has chairs around it. Just, just keep up with tradition. Well, I have one more question. What can your fans expect to hear and see at the book festival on September 29th? Well, all the folks used to say on the Hope of the Road, we're going to have a time. Well, you know, we just want to have a good time. <laughs> I, I like for the children, I don't know um, if you listen to the end, of my uh, presentation last year, but I try to make it really for the children and quick. I talk and then I let them talk to me because they can turn on the TV and listen to an author on books they and read. They have something they want to say. They have questions. So I just hope that we have a time in Washington, D.C. on September 29th, and I can't wait to get that. Well, certainly we can't wait to hear you uh, on September 29th. This has been terrific, very exciting. I look forward to hearing more uh, at the National Book Festival. Thank thank you. you. Thank you. Take care. You too. The National Book Festival is free and open to the public and will take place on the National Mall between 7th and 14th Streets Northwest from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on September 29th. For details and a complete list of participating authors, visit loc.gov slash bookfest. Thank you for listening.